the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump right into it. I am so excited to be joined by Chris Pistorius, who is the founder of Kickstart Dental Marketing, a company which has consistently been listed as one of the top dental marketing companies in the country. And we are going to talk all about what uh, Chris does. And uh, and I should mention that prior to starting his dental marketing agency in 2009, Chris worked for online marketing giants AOL and MapQuest. Who has even heard of those names in the past little while? But Chris is an innovator, and that's why he's here on the show. Chris, welcome to Get Down to Business. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Chris, let's start with your uh, with a little bit about you. I know you are the author of a book, um, which we will uh, which we will talk about, and you reside in the Denver area with your uh, wife and two kids. So, talk about your background and how you ended up in marketing and specifically dental marketing. Yeah, it's been quite a journey for sure. Um, you know, I, I I went to college at Eastern Illinois University. And I majored in journalism. And the reason I did that is mostly because that was the path to a graduation with the uh, less amount of math courses that I had to take. So <laughs> that's how I got into journalism. But while I was, while I was at Eastern, um, I, I worked at the school's newspaper in the advertising department. And I sold advertising for the school newspaper. And that was kind of my introduction, really, into marketing and advertising and all that. And it, it, it just kind of chimed with me. And so after college, I went and worked in telecommunications for a while and I got moved out to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, you know, I finally, you know, after probably six years of doing it in telecom, doing telecom related stuff, I just happened to apply for a job at this company called America Online, which, you know, younger people listening to this probably don't even know who the heck that was. But at the time, they were like the juggernaut of Internet service providers. And um, they hired me as a uh, as a salesperson to sell advertising. And that got me into this, you know, advertising and marketing. And they owned MapQuest at the time. And I wound up working with them for a while. And, you know, after doing that for a few years, I decided to branch out on my own, started my own agency because I saw a need that small businesses needed help in trying to figure out online marketing, kind of untangling the web, if you will. 
And so I started my own consulting company, which turned into us niching down into dentistry. And the only reason we did that really was because every time we took on a new industry, it seemed like we had to learn the lingo and the competition and how things worked for an industry. Um, and it, it just seemed smarter at the time to really focus on one niche so that we could really be experts in it so that we know the lingo, we know the competition, we know the struggles. Um, and it's worked out great. And so over the last 12 years, we've been kickstart dental marketing and we haven't really looked back. Absolutely. Uh, and obviously we're having this conversation on radio, so I can't see your teeth, um, but I am curious um, as you speak with uh, dentists all over the country, and I know you host a weekly dental marketing podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, all kidding aside, how, how did you earn your credibility um, with the dental community? Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the, uh, the areas that you're most proud of having an impact in. Yeah, you know, it's not easy. The dental community is is very sought after in terms of people trying to sell to dentists because people think that, you know, dentists have all of this money and, you know, it's very easy to sell to them. And, you know, they're just, you know, it, it's just a good market. And actually, it's it's kind of the opposite. Once you really get into dentistry, I mean, dentists have tons of overhead. I mean, sometimes as much as 70% um, is overhead for a dentist. So, you know, margins aren't nearly as great as what people think. And, you know, I think that we earned some respect and how we really got started was by going to dental shows, doing everything we could to fight claw and just get in front of people and do public speaking, you know, things like this and things like our podcast, you know, just trying to get great content and give that to dentists and to help them grow their practices I think earned us a little respect and we've won a few awards along the way, which certainly has helped as well. Um, But, you know, for me personally, seeing a few of our clients go from struggling with one practice to not just not struggling, but then expanding into two or three different dental practices. I think for me personally, that's that's the most impactful thing that we do. Well, congratulations on all of that success. And as my dad would say, it's all widgets. Um, and really what you have uh, done is is taken that uh, marketing knowledge and applied it certainly in a very, very, as you just said, complex environment of dental mm-hmm. marketing. And you've got to feel good. It's been a uh, challenging year, certainly for all businesses, but actually dentists in particular have, have, yep. have really struggled. So what are you hearing from your uh, client base? Uh, has the dental industry been able to rebound and how are you assisting in that process? Yeah, I think I think a lot of our clients and a lot of the people I talk to in the industry right now are cautiously optimistic, I think is a good way to put it. But we are seeing a very sharp uptick in our clients rebounding. Um, we are seeing a lot of interest in our agency services. We're getting a lot of uh, inbound inquiries right now asking, okay, we're out of this. What do I do next type of thing? Um, So we certainly are starting to see that uptick. And, you know, during the pandemic, every one of our clients had to shut down. I mean, for at least 30 days and some of them 60 days or longer. Um, And we you know, that's that's pretty stressful as a business owner, as I'm sure you can imagine. So, you know, we we really took the path of, okay, this isn't a time to just sit back and do nothing. You know, we're not going to charge our clients during this time when they're not open. 
but we're not going to stop marketing for them because we feel as though if we stop marketing that we miss an opportunity because we can come out of this, you know, whether it's three months, six months, you know, we didn't know at the time, but we can hit our clients on a better path to success if we keep our foot on the accelerator with marketing versus sitting back. So we took an aggressive step and we, we didn't charge our, our clients, but we kept doing our marketing for them. Um, and that has helped a ton of them on the on the other end of this pandemic kind of get ahead of the pack, if you will. Sure. Great, great, great uh, information and appreciate all that you're doing. So finally, as we start to come to the close of our conversation here, I'm chatting with uh, Chris Pistorius, who is uh, the uh, a marketing guru and uh, started his, uh, his dental marketing agency called Kickstart Dental Marketing, which again has consistently been listed as one of the top dental marketing companies in the country. Um, as I said, it really is all widgets. So what advice would you have for fellow small business owners that are tuning in, what's the one thing that they should put in place this week that can help them with their marketing efforts, whatever industry they may be in? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think the common denominator right now for any small business, no matter what the industry is exposure, do whatever you can to be a leader and an authority in your market. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if you're an auto detailer, an attorney, a baker, whatever it means, whatever it might, whatever it is, be the authority. And how you do that is go out and do podcasts, go out and write articles, go out and do public speaking, get involved in the community, make yourself and set yourself as an authority in whatever it is you do. And when you can do that, when you can command that type of authority and you're kind of the local expert in whatever you do, that's going to naturally um, create exposure for your business and it's going to result in more leads and more business opportunities for you. Sure. Well, I appreciate all of the all of that advice, and we'll be sure to follow your uh, your success as you continue to brand yourself in all of these areas through your podcast, through your book, in all of these different ways. And surely, our listeners will want to learn more about Kickstart. So, how can get how can they get a hold of you? It's easy. Just go to kickstartdental.com. K-I-C-K-S-T-A-R-T dental, D-E-N-T-A-L.com. And um, just click strategy, get a free strategy session on the website. And that's actually done with me personally. I do every one of our free strategy sessions. And not only that, we've got tons of great information and, and free marketing advice and just a, a wealth of knowledge there. So that's probably the best way to, to interact with us. Absolutely. And do your uh, two kids, Caitlin and Brody, do they have the, uh, the, the, the whitest teeth in school? <laughs> they do. In fact, my son just got braces. So I had a leg up there. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Chris Pistorius, thank you so much for joining us here on Get Down to Business. Be sure to come back real soon. Uh, we are going to squeeze in a quick break. And after the break, we'll be returning with more guests all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at shalomkline. Be sure to get on your favorite podcast app, subscribe, rate, review, and share. Again, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I've been excited for this conversation. I'm joined by John Schramm, an IT support expert and a CEO. So uh, certainly he understands the uh, on the ground floor of, uh, of technology, but also entrepreneurship. We'll talk about both of those topics. So uh, John, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So let's talk a little bit about your background and uh, that has led up to building a multi-million dollar IT services company. How did you get started and uh, did you always know that you were that you wanted to actually own a business rather than just uh, work in uh, work in IT? Uh, I did know I wanted to start a business. I wasn't sure what I wanted to start. Uh, kind of my career got kicked off uh, with a, a company called Pricewaterhouse. It was before they were PricewaterhouseCoopers. So it was a while ago. Uh, and, and I started that job. It was it was as a consulting position in their MIS division. So it was a long time ago. Uh, but uh, I, I took the consulting role because it thought, sounded like I really didn't have to decide what I wanted to do. And uh, while I worked on various projects for them, I uh, just really had this itch to start something. And uh, the way I describe my career is I'm an unintentional serial entrepreneur. The Purple Guys is my third startup from scratch. Uh, the... Uh, the long explanation of that is I was good at starting and uh, driving businesses. I was bad at picking partners. Uh, and so uh, third time has been the charm, uh, but uh, it's been a really fun experience. And I know that you and your wife, Jill, you have three children and you founded two businesses together. So certainly probably best yes. partners are, uh, are the ones at home, which is great. And by the way, yes. I should say, I love the name of your company, the Purple Guys. Purple is my favorite color. Um, wow. is, uh, is there a story behind the name? There is absolutely a story behind the name. I, I am creative, but I'm not that creative. When we started this business uh, with my last company, I had a purple logo. So when I started this business, the only thing I knew was I liked the purple logo because I had come up with the idea in my last company that uh, we'd have pens that wrote in the company color, which was purple. So we got purple pens with purple ink. I carried that into this business where I said, I got to keep the purple logo. I didn't really care what the name was kept the purple pens. And 20 years ago, when we started this company, everything we did was on site. So we bought team uniforms uh, for everybody and got them actually in purple. And within a couple of weeks, our customers, independent of each other, were saying, hey, the purple guys are here. So uh, our customers actually came up with the name. I was paying attention enough to know that, hey, all right, they they like it. They can remember it. They can spell it. Uh, and that's really what evolved to be the, the company brand. But it was not the original name of the company. Uh, but it, it has been a wonderful brand to use since then. And it's a great color. So there we go. The purple guys. I like it. Yes. Um, so, uh, again, I'm chatting with John Schramm, the, uh, the, uh, the founder CEO of the purple guys and an IT support expert. And that's important to, uh, to mention that you understand the uh, challenges that, uh, that your customers are facing. So on that theme, um, with cloud-based services is outsourced IT support still necessary? Are your clients still calling you asking for help? Uh, I would say yes, it, it is as much, if not even more necessary to have access to that, that helpline, that help desk. So we have seen our call volume. It actually spiked when everybody went home because it was all new connections and, you know, you're now working in your home environment versus your office environment. And it's leveled back out to kind of the, the usual norm. But people still have issues printing because there's still people that print a lot of stuff. They still have issues with it's slow today. They have issues getting logged in. They have issues with connectivity that between cloud to cloud platforms. So the pieces that we do 
from an end user support perspective are just as vital today and if not more so because everybody is now leaning on technology to stay connected. So that that part of the business is absolutely still still critical for small and mid-sized businesses that we focus. Absolutely. And we've we've been uh we've been living in uh unprecedented times a, a time where uh, folks have been working from home. Uh systems have evolved way faster than anybody could have ever imagined, whether it's, um, you know, learning from home, working from home, and we've had to adapt very quickly. So what security and IT challenges has the pandemic created and what are you hearing from your customers? Uh, The security landscape continues to evolve rapidly, not just with like the pipeline exploit and the the recent meat processing uh, exploits that you've heard about in the news, but small businesses are just as much a target as the things that you see in the news. So from a security perspective, making sure your every one of your employees is aware of what to look for when they get emails, when they're on a website. So the training side of security has been even more critical. Uh, we offered it pre-pandemic, and now that people are more distributed, there seems to be a little more I guess, lacks control. Um, and it might just be that it's more relaxed atmosphere at home and people have been more prone to click on things they shouldn't. Um, but the security landscape, the major thing that has evolved in like the last three or four years is, you know, four or five years ago, you had to be a pretty sophisticated technical person to be a bad guy in the tech space. Uh, what has evolved is it is now malware as a service crypto as a service. You can sign up for a couple hundred bucks and target anybody you want to. There's really no technical skills required anymore to be really a successful hacker. Um, That's what's made every small business a target because the number of bad actors has increased exponentially. So still, it, it is a huge issue for every business, anybody that's got a presence on the web, anybody that's got anybody interacting with the web, which is really every business, you've got to be aware, you've got to have tools in place, you've got to teach your people. So it's a huge part of what we provide for our customers. I'm chatting with John Schramm from the Purple Guys, stress-free IT support. Um, So many of our listeners, John, are small business owners, entrepreneurs, much like uh, much like you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you've you've built uh, from the ground up. So, at the most basic level, what's your advice for uh, for entrepreneurs? When is the right time for a business to hire an IT company? I think everybody realizes they need some form of IT support. And when do, when do you bring a company in versus a friend versus my cousin's sister's nephew's son? Uh, we've, we've heard all kinds of uh, ways that different small businesses get support. It's got to fit your budget. Uh, and so building that in to your annual plan of what, just like you've got insurance for everybody, you've got you know expenses that are fixed per person. Figure out when you can budget for that. Uh, and really, it's it's how critical is it to your business? Just sheer size wise, it's generally when a company gets to that 20 to 25 employees is when it makes sense to plug in a company versus an individual. And, you know, th- there's a whole range of services out there from the sole proprietor that offers the tech support to a company like ours. And, and we're now actually a, a larger small business. We're 150 employees. We're in four different cities Uh, And we are growing rapidly. Um, And most of that is because of the brand and some recent acquisitions. Uh, But it's, you know, the decision to bring in help is 
Is it critical to your business? Can you afford it? Look at your budget. Look at how you want to consume those services. Uh, do you just need remote? Do you need people to actually show up on site every once in a while? Figure out what those needs are and then go out in the market and try to find somebody. Absolutely. So, John, final question for you, uh, just on that note, and congratulations on your success. What advice would you have? You've you've built a multi-million dollar IT services company, as you just said, employing uh, over 150 people in four cities. What What's one of those hurdles, those speed bumps that you've come across that uh, you just want to make sure that some of our listeners don't come across uh, along in their journeys? Uh, I would just every business needs really good people. Uh, unless you figured out some magic bullet and you have a business that doesn't ever require individuals. The, the thing that I have learned is leaning on a peer group from an ownership perspective is something I've always done. So I have a group of business owners that I get together with on a monthly basis. We compare ideas, we compare notes. Business is business across pretty much every sector. So you can compare ideas um, I never assume I'm the smartest person in the room. So that would be my best advice for a new entrepreneur or even someone trying to get in and, and start a business. Find that peer That's group uh, and, and lean on them because it, it's lonely at the top. It is. It is. John Schramm, great advice. The purple guy is the best color for sure. Um, John, how can people get a hold of you and your team if they want to learn about your services or just learn a little bit more about you? Uh, best way to get a hold of us is purpleguys.com, just the color purple, and then guis.com. We're also on LinkedIn under Purple Guys, so I've uh, got, got a bunch of ways to uh, connect on the website, but would love to talk to people. And if it's just a generic business question, love to talk business as well. Yeah. Well, don't uh, don't contact the Purple Guys if you need your house painted purple. There's, I'm sure, yeah. there's other great people that are out there. But John will <laughs> will protect uh, will protect your business for sure with uh, security and IT, uh, security and IT. John Tram, yeah. thanks so much for joining us. We're going to squeeze in a quick break with the headlines, uh, some announcements, and we will be right back when we return on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back. I've been so excited for this conversation with Dan Horwich. Uh, Dan is a uh, fantastic husband, father, son, brother, entrepreneur, avid networker, and uh, he is uh, he is an entrepreneur, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and a little bit about his uh, networking philosophy, which certainly made an impact on me. Dan Horwich, welcome to the program. Shalom. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It is a pleasure to have you. So, Dan, let's talk a little bit about um, you and your business, and then we'll uh, share some advice for entrepreneurs. So tell us what you do and who you are. Well, thank you. I thank you for the opportunity. So I, my name is Dan Horowitz. I run Camp IT Conferences, second-generation uh, family enterprise IT conference business located in Chicago. And obviously, given the pandemic, we pivoted to an all-virtual world and have hosted now 51 virtual events in 14 months and hundreds, if not thousands, of events over the last 37 years. It's, it's incredible, uh, absolutely incredible. And I'm always fascinated by family businesses in uh, second generation, which is uh, certainly very, very interesting. We could have an entire segment talking about uh, the trials and tribulations of uh, family businesses and those success. And you've shared some stories with me. So Camp IT Conferences. So in a nutshell, who needs to talk to you and your team? 
Uh, the two sides of the equation. So we educate enterprise IT professionals, CIOs, VPs, directors, and their teams. They've been doing so for a long time, providing them with thought leadership education. But it also presents great networking opportunities for those executives that realize that by speaking in front of an audience, they're going to uh, polish their brand and develop more connections and, and really foster those connections for the next step in their careers. And additionally, we provide business development opportunities for technology vendors, for suppliers, for folks that market data centers, security, cloud, architecture, digital transformation, uh, really in a nutshell, a lot of different areas within IT. And by educating IT professionals, we bring together a forum to enable really solid business development opportunities for IT suppliers. That's awesome. And uh, Dan, I would be remiss if I did not ask, as we have this conversation in June 2021, part of your business name is conferences. What's your uh, prediction or forecast for the future of the industry? Well, the future of the industry, I think, is going to be very healthy. It's just going to take a little while, I think, to get back to where we were in in 2019. Um, there's still folks, obviously, that are sitting on the sidelines as it relates to attending in-person conferences. And you have the other side of it where they want to go now. So as the vaccine rolls out further and as the resistance goes down, I think next year is going to be a very strong year for the conference industry. People have the natural inclination. They're, they're social creatures, so they do want to get together, but we want to make sure that it's a safe environment and that everyone feels comfortable. So I, it, it, this, I really think it's just a, a little bit of a waiting game. Um, we're all eager to be out there and connect, but we also want to do it safely, and we don't want anyone to, to walk away becoming sick from it. Very true. I'm chatting with Dan Horwich from Camp IT Conferences. So, Dan, I alluded in the introduction um, regarding your philosophy, which I know is really fundamental to who you are and how you conduct yourself in business. So let's talk a little bit about that philosophy and specifically how it, uh, what advice you have for uh, fellow entrepreneurs that might be tuning in. You are an avid networker yourself. Um, what? Tell, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, no, thank you. So, you know, network is an interesting thing. There are a lot of people who don't quite understand or don't have a knack for it. And it's really not all that complicated. It's the way to really effectively network is to, for a person or an individual to put themselves in the shoes of someone else, meaning pay it forward first before asking for anything. And that's really the philosophy that I've developed, where if, if folks in the audience reach out to any of my connections that have networked with me, they know that Anytime I connect with someone, my goal by the end of the 30-minute networking conversation is to introduce them to three or four people. And I may do that over email during the conversation. That way, they leave in a better place than they were 30 minutes ago, from 30 minutes prior. I never want to assume that someone's in a bad place, but I always want people to walk away having a positive feeling and knowing that someone stepped up to make an impact in their lives. And the folks that really embrace that are going to be that much more successful the challenge with networking in particular is some folks um, can get overwhelmed by it or think they have to meet everyone in a room. The key to networking is if you go to a, a room with a, a lot of people, you shouldn't meet everyone. You should try and meet two to four people, have really good conversations, follow up with a thank you email afterwards, and immediately introduce each of those folks to a few people in your network. That helps you build your brand, and it will come back. There may be some folks that say, well, if it doesn't come back to me right away, it's not worth it. You have to play the long game with this. Such great advice. And is there one bit of advice that we can leave our uh, our listeners with regarding how you've networked during the pandemic? Any particular organization you want to spotlight or just type of event? So, yes, there, there are fantastic groups out there. there um, there's the SIL networking group. There's another group run by Jeff Lord. 
There are groups in the East Coast as well. But the beauty of virtual is that these groups um, go past regular boundaries. You can meet with these folks virtually over Zoom, all of them are Zoom meetings. You grow I, your business all over the country, which is, uh, which is huge. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Dan Horwich, you are a treasure, my friend. Thank you. And surely our listeners will want to get a hold of you um, to connect via LinkedIn or, of course, learn more about your business and your networking philosophy. How can they get in touch? Very easy. They can, they can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, just put a note in there as to why you're reaching out because a lot of us get a lot of connections all the time. We're not sure where it's coming from. Uh, and tell me how I can be of help to. I always want to pay it forward first. Or they can reach me via email, dan at campconferences.com. Dan at campconferences.com and on LinkedIn, Dan Horwich. Just make sure you put a note in that connection request. Dan, we'll be sure to have you back on real soon. Talk a little bit more about this industry, which is rapidly evolving, and I appreciate your thought leadership and appreciate your time. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Great. Thank you, Shalom. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. We're going to squeeze in a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So is this a lousy job or is it me? I'm thrilled to be joined by the author of a fantastic new book by Terry Jackie, who offers practical advice for managing novel workplace situations depending on one stage of character development. Terry, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So I'm always fascinated with the person behind the microphone. I know you are the president of Inspired Training Institute, um, an executive consulting firm that you founded nearly 20 years ago. But how did you get to the point that you wrote a book about uh, sort of about this career fulfillment piece? So as I started working in organizational development when I was 25 through a series of events that uh, took me into that field, I was fascinated by why some people seemed to succeed in the workplace and others struggled or rebelled or shrank. And so I actually started studying this, I guess, uh, 26 years ago. And about 14 years ago, I started putting together in earnest a theory as to why I was watching some people really enjoy and have a great time in the workplace and be fulfilled and pursue success with grace and it seemed effortless and then other people not so much and I looked down every rabbit hole as to what was causing this was it generational diversity was it gender differences was it uh, education levels was it emotional intelligence spiritual intelligence all of the things that we study in the organizational development world and I realized it was character and I realized there was a pattern to our character development that helps us advance our own fulfillment and success in the workplace that many people didn't know. And as I began coaching my executive coaching clients on it and seeing the success they were having, I thought, you know what, I'm going to capture this in a book and um, really wrote it with young professionals in mind and budding entrepreneurs in mind, wanting them to understand that the challenges they face uh, professionally or in business settings can all be used to advance their character and thereby advance their fulfillment and their success. And that there is a pattern. This isn't random. There is an actual development pattern. So it doesn't have to be so mysterious. So once that was clear and I saw people um, benefiting from it and, and really having a far greater fulfillment and success at work, I thought I should share this with people. 
I should Absolutely. write this down. <laughs> Absolutely. And and it, it's important um, what you just mentioned is that there is a pattern to this. I know what, regardless of whether you're sort of in your first job and you're sort of experienced that, uh, I think one of the terms that you use is the yuckiness. Yeah. Um, is, uh, <laughs> or whether you've been, you know, this might be your last job before retirement. There is a process to this. And I should mention to our listeners that I'm not going to share um, where you and your wonderful husband, uh, Chris Jackie, live in uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, <clears throat> um, as we have this conversation here in Chicago. But um, generally speaking, um, most people are, uh, are, are aiming for the same sort of goals and aspirations. So what, in a nutshell, and we don't have a lot of time, but in a nutshell, what are some of those stages that, that we should understand, again, regardless of whether you're in your first job or you're deep into your career? So the first three stages, beginning, yuckiness, and fear, are reactive stages that you kind of bounce along without knowing. Um, but what becomes very important is the movement from the fear stage, which is a normal, healthy stage. There's a lot of learning that goes on here. It's not one to be skipped or avoided. But the movement from authenticity, or I'm sorry, from fear to authenticity, that would be the biggest movement, the first proactive move that we all make, where we're kind of aware of holding our ourselves accountable to how we behave and what we bring to the workplace. And from there, there's a couple other proactive stages, boundaries and love. And then eventually the final stage is exit. And that's our departure from the world of work. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's, there's a method to this madness. So what is that one bit of advice that you would have for, um, for somebody that might be tuning in? Um, we're having this conversation. We air it on uh, Sunday evening. Um, and so when you go into the office tomorrow, what's the one thing that somebody can do to take ownership of their own career, their own job performance, rather than l- letting others sort of uh, consume and dictate how things go? That's an excellent question. I think, first of all, just the concept of, wait a minute, it might be me. You know, I could keep blaming this job, but this might be me. And if that's the case, what is there here for me to learn from this difficult, confusing, or challenging professional experience I'm going through? Because every experience you're going through can benefit your character development. So taking a look at my own behavior, my character, how I want to grow it, what it would look like for me to advance it, and using these difficult experiences as they're intended to be used in our life development to further my own growth. That's what I would want people to do tomorrow is, is, is to consider how they can be a better person in whatever situation is being presented to them. Well, that's great advice. And uh, we're going to squeeze in a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, that experience that you have uh, in executive consulting, working from the employer and from the from the uh, from the uh, the manager director uh, company uh, side of things, and and what they can do to ensure uh, career uh, success um, for because bottom line, that's what everybody wants to achieve. Again, I'm chatting with uh, Terry Jack, the the author of a fantastic uh, new book uh, published in August 2020. Is this a lousy job? or is it me a real life guide for achieving success at work but be sure to check out our amazing sponsors of the program chicago signature limo.com also expanding into south florida so be sure to check them out for all of your transportation needs and our good friend tom arabali from 
healthplanchicago.com for all of your health insurance, Affordable Care Act conversations. You don't want to go at it alone. Make sure you are talking to the guru. Uh, and uh, be sure to get on my website, shalomkline.com, where you can download the podcast from the past eight plus years of shows all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We are going to be right back to continue our conversation with Terry Jackie when we return. Welcome back. You're listening to the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Continuing a conversation with Terry Jackie, again, the president of Inspired Training Institute, Inc., and the author of Is This a Lousy Job or Is It Me? A Real Life Guide for Achieving Success at Work. Um, so, Terry, welcome back. And um, we've been talking from the employee perspective. You've talked about some tips, really helpful tips, of what people can do to sort of get control of their own career. Um, but you've been doing this for a little while, um, working with some pretty pretty large corporate clients. So um, tell us a little bit about that and some of the uh, consistent challenges that you see, both in big and small companies. Mm-hmm. Well, I see... The same issues in the startups that I work with, I'm working with a little technology startup up here in northeastern Wisconsin, as well as the uh, Fortune 500 companies that we work with. And what people are trying to do from an employer perspective is they're trying to figure out how do I engage all sorts of people when they're coming in either in a feeder position, so a position that we hire a great deal of into the company, and then we promote those people through the company. They're also struggling with hiring people in to mid and upper level management and uh, getting the fit to stick there. And one of the issues as I work with my clients is helping them understand where these people may be, the people that they're hiring in their stages of character development, because that helps to shape the uh, onboarding programs that we use and, and what we would do to recruit and attract them. So, Uh, People who are further along in their character development, so people we may be hiring in mid-level and upper-level leadership, we're going to want to speak to them as though they're in the authenticity or boundary stages, meaning we're going to want to make sure we're talking to them about what is the larger picture here that's going on and how is my particular role and my work worthwhile to what I'm adding? Like, how am I benefiting this company? What can I bring to this company? And why is what I'm about to do important? That's the language that employers have to be able to speak when they're hiring people who, based on age or based on experience that they're looking for and the positions they're trying to fill, are likely further along in their character development. And now contrast that, Shalom, with people who are your hiring entry-level positions. These people are trying to figure themselves out still. They're still in the first three reactive stages of character development. And so you're going to speak with them differently, and you're going to talk more about what you can do for them and how you're going to bring them into a fold. So I, I work with employers on understanding these stages so that they can appeal to uh, their potential employees and active employees in in new and different ways in terms of how they communicate and how they develop them. Absolutely. And when you understand that framework, when you understand those stages of character development at work, 
um, it's and you're able to master it, then it allows you to achieve that rewarding work experience, which ultimately is what both employers and employees want, a more vibrant career success when people are satisfied, then they're able to perform better. And uh, and that's ultimately the goal that everybody should be striving for. So Terry Jackie uh, is, the, again, the author of Is This a Lousy Job or Is It Me? A Real Life Guide for Achieving Success at Work, as well as, again, the, uh, the president of Inspired Training Institute, Terry, you've shared a lot. How can people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me at inspiredtraining.net, um, and they can find the book on Amazon or at isthisalousyjob.com. Fantastic. Terry, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing the advice, and um, maybe, uh, maybe one day we'll have uh, Green Bay Hall of Famer uh, Chris Jackie share. <laughs> probably he, sh- he can share something that might be relevant to our Chicago, primarily Chicago audience over here as well. Uh, you know, we, Terry, we were doing so well in this conversation. I've built you up with credibility and then uh, just ending up on that, but no, we... <laughs> I, I do have to say, um, if they're interested in getting to know Chris as a retired uh, Packers player, uh, he does have a podcast called Jackie's on the job.com. And so he and I do that every other week and you can get to know him as a person, not just a Packers player for you, Chicago land folks. There we go. <laughs> Terry, Jackie, thank you. Thank you so much. Definitely check out that podcast, check out, get down to business and the, we all serve podcast. Um, and we'll be back next Sunday at 6 PM right here in AIM 560. The answer to success. Let's get down to business. <laughs>